Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Thursday edition of the program. March is here. Basketball all the time. Really starting now, you've got a lot of the women's conference tournaments. Big Ten tournament started yesterday for the women. Big day of action today and then the Hoosiers in action. The Lady Hoosiers, that is, later this week. And of course, Indiana finishes up its regular season this weekend as well. High school basketball boys the sectionals this week, and we had some games last night we'll talk about today. Just a great time of year. I, I probably say this every day in March, but take it all in. If you're a basketball fan here in southern Indiana, it is always a great day in the month of March. So welcome into our program here on this Thursday show. Let's take a look at the show lineup today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, our headlines of the day. We'll talk IU basketball we will talk scenarios for the Big Ten Tournament. The IU women, we'll discuss them as well. We'll take a look at some Wednesday night sectional action. Uh, first round games across the area. Just a handful, but some decent games. Really some good games last night. And we are now officially set up for the semifinal round on Friday of sectionals here across the area. And, you know, we've been enjoying good weather here lately. I know we had some storms and rain and thunder last night, but I saw this weekend there is a chance for a humongous snowstorm across the northern part of the United States, and some of that could dip down into northern Indiana. I think I saw 10 to 12 inches expected, maybe in South Bend and north of South Bend. So uh, sectionals, you think, typically a time of year when the weather is turning like it has been here. But uh, just a reminder that winter is not officially over yet. In fact, somebody said we are forecasted for a little bit of snow even in our area uh, coming up as well. But uh, let's hope it doesn't interfere with any of the great basketball here in the state tournament this month. Also, later in the show on Thursdays, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall is my guest. Our chat with Alex each week is brought to you by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. And a lot to get to because still kind of reeling off of that loss to Iowa earlier this week. Indiana's got a home game they really need to get uh, on Sunday against Michigan, so we'll talk about that. Everybody wants to know, can this Indiana team get a double buy still for the Big Ten Tournament? What could the bracket scenarios look like for Indiana in the postseason? And we'll continue to talk more of that today with Alex when he joins us. And, of course, Xavier Johnson, is he going to return? I'll have more on him coming up in a moment. Uh, just a lot of things with this team as they head into the final regular season game 
of the year. That just sounds crazy to say, but things are winding down as we enter postseason basketball very, very soon. In fact, you know, Bellarmine and some of the mid-major conferences, their postseason tournaments are over with, uh, or underway at least. And so just a reminder that when March gets here, all different levels, all different times, everybody's scrambling for the best time to have their tournament, to get more exposure and maybe get a little extra television coverage. But now's the time of year, whether it's men's or women's or whatever it may be, you can basically get basketball on TV throughout the day and, of course, throughout the evening as well. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Also, the Thornton's text line is open. Uh, getting a lot more text, so save that number, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That is the Thornton's text line, and right now at Thornton, you can get a free sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, or a steak and egg burrito at any fountain drink, tea, or fizz freeze, or 20-ounce bottled soda when you become a new Refreshing Rewards member. Simply download the app and register today for Refreshing Rewards to earn your free breakfast on Thornton's. Let's get into some of the headlines of the day. First, IU basketball. Uh, are they still in contention for a double bye in the Big Ten tournament? Yes. With Wednesday victories last night by Penn State and Ohio State. Penn State beat Northwestern. Ohio State got a good win over Maryland. Indiana still in the mix for a double bye. Uh, which is crazy. The league standings, crazy. Figuring out all the tiebreakers for the Big Ten Conference Tournament, it's going to be crazy. Half of the league is now tied in the loss column with eight. Everybody trails Michigan, then seven loss IU uh, has already beat, uh, has been beaten once and plays on Sunday. And Purdue, they've obviously locked up the, the number one seed. So the number two seed is still in play for Indiana. Uh, but much better path to number three or number four uh, as far as a final finish in the conference. And, of course, the top four seeds in the Big Ten earn a double bye and do not have to play the first two days of the Big Ten's men tournament. So just looking at the standings, Purdue right now 13-5. and Then next is Michigan 11-7, and Indiana Maryland, Northwestern, Iowa, all 11 and 8. Also, eight loss teams. You've got Illinois, Michigan State, and Rutgers. They all three are at 10 and 8 on the season. So, just a massive uh, mix up there of eight loss teams once you get past Purdue and Michigan as well. So, this game coming up for Indiana on Sunday against Michigan is so very important. And, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's got implications as far as where Indiana ultimately is going to finish in the Big Ten Conference standings. And a lot of the games this week, because of the logjam there, will have, uh, you know, things to do with the standings and how things play out. But definitely uh, coming down to an interesting finish in the Big Ten Conference. And uh, the seating's going to be tight and a lot of different paths on exactly how things could shake out for Indiana, but I tell you, I think a double bye for this team with just the season, the rigors of a Big Ten basketball season, and the stress and pressure on Trace Jackson Davis and Jordan uh, Jalen Hudshafino, and obviously, you know, injuries. Uh, Jordan Geronimo out right now. Xavier Johnson 
some extra days of rest could help his return, which we think is imminent as well for this Indiana team. So just some really interesting scenarios. As always, uh, the Big Ten always seems to have some log jams, and this year is no different. Also, you know, Jordan Geronimo out against Iowa. He appeared on the court with a boot on his leg. Indiana said it's a lower leg injury. No real details on exactly what's going on with him. But Xavier Johnson, uh, I wasn't there on the over the weekend, but a number of people said his warm-up routine, and there were some videos put online on social media of it, he went really hard, broke a sweat, was really going hard, had a couple intense dunks during the warm-up period, maybe letting the fans know that he is close and he is ready, maybe waiting medical clearance, who knows, to come back for this Indiana team. But it sure looks like with how he's performing, what he's doing in some of these warm-up opportunities, that he is very, very close to a return for this Indiana program. So I had a lot of people say, gosh, with that kind of of warm-up routine, does that not mean he can play? And obviously, until he gets clearance, uh, no matter what he's doing or how good he looks in warm-ups or what kind of dunks he's slamming in, you know, he can't play until he gets that. And Jeff Rabjohns touched on that yesterday when he joined our show. Uh, Big Ten Women's Tournament, it began yesterday with two of the what I call play-in games. A busy slate today coming up in just a bit. Michigan State, Nebraska will play. Uh, also, Michigan gets the winner of the Penn State-Minnesota game from yesterday. Wisconsin and Purdue tonight, and then Illinois gets the winner of Northwestern and Rutgers. That sets up the first full day of Big Ten Conference play. And then Indiana, the women will get started early on Friday with an 11.30 a.m. game. at central time. Uh, they'll take on the winner of Michigan State and Nebraska as the Hoosiers, who are the one seed, will open up conference tournament play in Minneapolis tomorrow. If Indiana wins that game, they'll advance to the Final Four, the semifinal round of Big Ten Conference Tournament. They would play at 1.30 Central Time on uh, Saturday, and they would take on uh, the winner of Ohio State, who will get uh, the winner of the uh, Michigan uh, game as well. So um, it could be Indiana-Ohio State. That would be a good semifinal game. Of course, everybody paying attention to Iowa. They are in the bottom half of the bracket. They will get the winner of Wisconsin and Purdue on Friday in their opening game. And very likely, I think, should be an Indiana-Iowa, a 1-2 seed uh, finish for the Big Ten Women's Championship coming up at 4 o'clock on Sunday. Again, that those are all central times as well. But should be a fun week for the Big Ten Women's Tournament and a lot of focus on this Indiana women's team to see if they can uh, win a conference championship, a tournament championship now to add to their resume as uh, they are headed toward being a number one seed in the NCAA women's college basketball tournament. Also, last night, high school basketball, more action after a really good Tuesday, and the action continued in a big way last night over at Southwestern in the 2A sectional. Providence and Clarksville had a good battle Providence able to win 43-23 over the Generals for the second time this season. Uh, Casey Kalen, 14 points, no 11-10 for the Pioneers. They've now won 16 of their last 17 contests. Their only slip-up was a really bad performance against Silver Creek just a few weeks ago, one of their final regular season games. But the matchup is now set that we have all wondered about. Uh, really for a great part of the year, that's Providence and Brownstown 
on Friday night from Southwestern. Should be a classic battle. Some really good players on both teams. Obviously, Jack Bitter of Brownstown is the headline player. But Providence has the weapons and the defense to slow down and I think play right along with the Brownstown team. It should be an outstanding battle. And I just wonder how many waking hours Ryan Miller of Providence will put into the scouting report. Uh, you know he's got to have been thinking ahead about it, regardless what he might say publicly. And you can bet that Brownstown will be scouted. Providence will be prepared. There will be a lot of eyes on that Providence and Brownstown game coming up on Friday night from Southwestern. So that should be a lot of fun. Last night as well in 3A sectional 30, uh, obviously some games there of interest as well. Scottsburg, an easy winner in their contest. They blew away Madison 69-35 last night. And then a really thrilling finish and really a good game throughout Silver Creek just barely got past Charlestown 55-54 the final score. It was also a one-point game at halftime. Matt Lynch's Pirates right there. And I tell you, as you look at 3A teams for next year, I know we're focused on this year, the semifinals coming up on Friday night there at all the sectionals, but Charlestown's got a chance to be a solid team in the area next year and uh, close to getting a big win and getting into the semifinals this year. Scottsburg rolling, hard to see anybody, including Silver Creek, knock them off. But we could be on our way at Charlestown if things play out as you would expect to Scottsburg, who is right now 18-5, and taking on a 19-5 and Corden team in the championship game. And Corden has had an outstanding year under Joe Hinton Jr., just an outstanding year for the Panthers. It's been a great year to be a Hinton. Angie Hinton wins a 1A state championship. Joe Hinton, a good year with Corden. Any other year, this Corden team would maybe be a heavy favorite to win this Charlestown sectional. But Scottsburg really good and playing well, rolling on all cylinders, it appears right now as they prepare for a Friday night semifinal game. But Silver Creek, or excuse me, Scottsburg and Corden could be an interesting game in the championship, but hard to see uh, Scottsburg. I think they've got a chance to make it really a run uh, in 3A coming out of southern Indiana here this year. That's a look at our headlines for this Thursday edition of the program. Our plans for Friday here on the Big X, we will be in Seymour at 6 o'clock. I will have the Jeffersonville and Jennings County game at 6 o'clock. And then for the second game that evening, we'll send it over to John Spears. He's going to be at Southwestern Hanover. He'll have the full play-by-play -play story of Providence and Brownstown. And I'll give you some updates from that New Albany-Seymour game and break in on his broadcast occasionally. So we've got you covered with the big ones. I think Jeff Jennings County should be great. Brownstown and Providence has a chance to be a special game as well, and uh, we'll be there. Uh, so all you got to do is lock in with us Friday night just before 6 o'clock for lots of sectional coverage here across the area. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall, presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. We'll talk IU men. They've got one game left, Big Ten bracket scenarios. NCAA tournament bracketology. I know some of you want to hear about Xavier Johnson and when Alex thinks he might return. We'll do all of that and more coming up next with Alex Bozich here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Thursday show. Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall always with us in this segment. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You can sound off on the Hoosiers or high school basketball or ask Alex a question or really whatever you want, and we'll get it on the air. This segment brought to you by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture, where you can save 25% during their pre-grand opening sale at all three locations, two in downtown New Albany and their newest location on Veterans Parkway in Jeffersonville. Alex, I think fans still reeling from just a really bad performance from start to finish. Uh, The home crowd was there. Uh, Obviously, Fran McCaffrey, not a favorite of IU fans. All the reason in the world coming off a big Purdue victory for this Indiana team to get fired up at home, but it just never happened. Yeah, Matt, this is unfortunately what we've seen at times from this Indiana team really the last two seasons. If you go back uh, to last year, they beat Purdue at home and I believe followed that up with a a really bad loss at home to Michigan. Uh, This year they beat North Carolina uh, at home and and go out the next game at Rutgers and really uh, struggled to, to get much of anything going and and then this this last uh week obviously there's a lot of optimism after the win at purdue and then to come out uh, like they did uh against iowa just a really disappointing performance there's really no other way to put it uh mike woodson obviously put it a little bit uh different way that that we can't say on on radio matt but i think he uh sums it up pretty perfectly um when he basically just said that indiana didn't show up and uh you know it was it was interesting scene post game because uh, I, I was actually up there for the, for that game and sitting right in front of Mike Woodson at the press conference and you could uh, you could just sense the anger uh, in his body language and just kind of the way when he sat down and started taking questions and obviously uh, very short with his answers but uh, concerning uh, performance I think at this point of the season uh, for an Indiana team that. You know, really, they've done a lot of great things this season, but you look at some of the losses now that they've had, I think they've had more than seven losses now, I think, by double figures. So when they get beat, they, they usually get beat pretty soundly, uh, and it, it kind of makes you wonder, Matt, if uh, this team is going to be able to put together enough uh, consistency as, as we are now in March uh, to be able to string together uh, the wins necessary uh, to advance. But, yeah, it was... I mean, there's there's not much sense in, in reliving uh, the game. Uh, anyone that saw it saw uh, an Iowa team that was uh, pre- pretty much doing everything they wanted offensively uh, from start to finish. You know, there have been so many crazy comebacks in college basketball, specifically the Big Ten this season, that even at halftime you thought, I don't know if Indiana's going to win this, but they're going to make a charge, they're going to make a comeback. Mm-hmm. And that never happened. And I think just the fact it never even got competitive was a, a huge disappointment in itself. As you think about this Indiana team in the postseason, as well as they play at times, there are still some moments where consistency and 
I'm not sure what all's going on, but I think that's got to be the biggest concern to an IU fan is that you got this team with Trace and Jalen Hood Shafino that is going to get a decent seed and have chances to do some good things in the Big Ten tournament and maybe the NCAA tournament, but they also can still lay an egg. We've seen it a few times here, even during the good months for this team. Yeah, I mean, you look at what they've done really since they started out one and four in Big Ten play. They've overall they've been really good, but it's just the consistency uh, that's truly lacking from this group. Uh, I can't necessarily put my finger on it uh, exactly and tell you what's going wrong. Uh, Mike Woodson obviously uh, doesn't seem to have a, a full understanding of it either, but I think a lot of it uh, really comes down to the fact that. They're so reliant on a couple guys and the, the, the minutes that those guys are playing that you really don't have any margin from air, for air from a certain number of guys. And if you have you don't have everybody playing at a high level, you have no bench really uh, to count on uh, with this group. And I think, you know, just the, the focus, I think you have, to, you have to call into question um, because for a team to go to Purdue and win and arguably one of the the uh, toughest road venues in all of college basketball. I mean, that was that was a great win. That was their their best win to me of the entire season. And then to follow it up with a performance where you've got Big Ten tournament seating on the line, more importantly, NCAA tournament seating on the line. You know, if Indiana would have come home and taken care of business in both games, they're pretty much locking up a double buy in the Big Ten tournament. Um, so I just kind of question the maturity and the leadership uh, of this group, and it really gives me uh, pause when I think ahead to the tournament and wonder, you know, what the ultimate ceiling is for this group. Because if they can't lock in game to game, uh, that's really a formula to get beat in the in the tournament. Because there's, you know, even if you, you know you're a four or five seed. Uh, it's not like you have kind of a, a warm-up game. If you're a one or a two, uh, you can most of the time, you know, 95, 99% of the time, show up and just win your first game. But Indiana's not going to be in that position. So they're going to have to be ready uh, from the opening tip of the first game. And it's just hard to trust them based on what uh, they've done here uh, recently. Uh, you know, you could get a, you could get a team that, that comes ready to play and, uh, ready to go from, from the first game, or you could have a situation on your hands where Indiana's not ready to go and, and anything can happen in that scenario. So that, to me, is the most concerning part. It's not necessarily the play of one or two guys. It's more of you know who's going to be the leader on the court uh, in terms of making sure that the team is focused and ready to play and unlo- kind of unlocking uh, the uh, the consistency, which we just haven't seen to this point. Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest. Alex, excuse me, scenarios for Indiana to get a double bye, which I think is so important for this team and really any team in the Big Ten Conference to do so. Who does Indiana need to see win other than themselves and lose between now and the conclusion of regular season play this weekend to secure one of those coveted two-day off opportunities? I I believe... um that the scenario that Indiana needs, obviously they've got to beat Michigan. If they don't beat Michigan, then you can forget about a double bye. But uh, if they can beat Michigan, the other results that they really uh, need to happen uh, to get the double bye 
uh, our, uh, I believe it's Rutgers beating Northwestern at home, which, you know, Northwestern's lost three in a row. Doesn't seem necessarily far-fetched at Rutgers, their final home game of the season. They have plenty to play for, so that doesn't necessarily seem too outlandish. The other one is Penn State beating uh, Maryland at, at Penn State uh, is, the, is the other result that they really need to happen. And that's another one where you look at Penn State, they're able to go on the road last night and beat Northwestern. They're playing for their NCAA tournament hopes. And Maryland uh, obviously has been a really poor road team. They just lost uh, at Ohio State uh, last night. So those are the, the, the kind of what India needs to happen. Uh, three things, obviously, there. Uh, none of them necessarily uh too crazy to ask for but um you know the more concerning part i think from an indiana perspective is can they beat michigan at home and i know they've won two or three against michigan but you look at the the two wins in that stretch obviously they needed a 17 point comeback last season in the big 10 tournament to get the first one done and then they they went in ann arbor this season but uh the last five minutes michigan didn't score uh, Michigan's obviously playing better as of late, and they have a ton to play for, too, with their, their tournament hopes kind of in the balance. So uh, double by still within reach for Indiana, but those three things all have to happen, I believe, for, for it to happen. All right, Alex, I want to go to the Thornton's text line for just a moment. Texter says, do you guys think we should be getting more out of Race Thompson? Your thoughts, Alex? Uh, I mean, it's... At this point, kind of in the season, uh, it is what it is uh, with him. I, I don't know. I, I, to me, his role is more uh, defense, which he didn't play very well the other night, obviously, in that perspective, and rebounding. Um, when you say get more, I think those are kind of the things I think about with him, not necessarily scoring. I don't think they need him to score very often. Um and the thing with him is, you know, he got hurt earlier in the season, and to me it's clear he's not the same player that he was before that. I think a lot of times when he's on the court with Trace Jackson Davis, uh, it's not offensively it's not uh, all of that great of a development uh, for Indiana because he can't space the floor at all. Look at his three-point shooting numbers. They're, they're really, really bad this season. Uh, teams are, are going to leave him completely open from the perimeter. And from Indiana perspective, I think you want to say don't even take the shot unless it's late in the shot clock. Um, he's not proven that he can make those shots outside of, I think, the Arizona game where he got on a little run. He's been really bad from the Predator. So, I, you know, when you say get more from him, I think he needs to be better defensively. I think he needs to be better on the glass. Um, but in terms of scoring at this point, he's kind of an afterthought. It kind of reminds me of, those years where Indiana had Justin Smith playing the four, uh, couldn't shoot from the perimeter, uh, very limited in terms of what he can do and sometimes can clog up the floor. Uh, to me, a better scenario for Indiana is Malik Renew plays more minutes and can stay on the floor without fouling, but that's the other thing that really just hasn't happened with any consistency. But I think at this point of the season, it is what it is with Grace Thompson. All right, Alex Bozich, my guest, this segment presented by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. We'll get back to mm-hmm. postseason and bracketology here in a second, but I did want to mention someone sent along, Flory Bedunga from up at Kokomo, is uh, planning to visit Indiana for 
the Michigan game. So I know the Iowa game was a setback and a disappointment, but I do think fans should step back and recognize that the good season from Trace, all the potential from Jalen hood Shafino and getting to the NBA, and maybe a good run in the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament can really help boost Mike Woodson and IU recruiting. And Flory Bedunga is one of those guys that you'd like to see remain close, remain local, maybe play at Indiana. And so this type of publicity and success, I think, maybe helps Indiana's chances for these top-level guys. And that's something that in the middle of a long, busy season, I think we lose sight of. Yeah, and, and recruits don't really necessarily get get too caught up in what happened in a specific game. They're looking more at the body of work, and when you kind of look at what Indiana's been able to do in terms of uh, the players that it's had in the program, Jalen Hutchifino having an excellent freshman season, he's probably going to be a first-round draft pick. Trace Jackson Davis has developed really into a guy that can probably get drafted uh, this summer. If you're a prospect, you're looking at that, and you're also looking at the fact that the NIL opportunities at Indiana seem to be uh, pretty significant. Um, They've done, I think, for the most part, a really good job of building a pretty good plan for how they handle that. A lot of good opportunities. You know, if you're in the uh, the third Indiana area, Louisville market, I've seen a ton of TV commercials this season with Trace Jackson Davis, I believe, doing a car dealership type of ad. I think if you're a high-level talent and you produce in Indiana, the opportunity for you to earn uh, a lot of uh, money from an NIL perspective is there. So I think Indiana has a lot of those things going in its favor. Um, I'm not necessarily worried uh, for the future in terms of acquiring talent, being able to get guys. I think Indiana will be able to do that uh, from the high school ranks and also the transfer portal I think is going to be really big here, Matt, uh, as early as the next couple of weeks. I believe the transfer portal opens uh, the Monday after Selection Sunday. So what what a uh, situation for these coaching staffs from all around the country to have to balance you know, getting ready for tournament play and then also just monitoring the portal and names are going to be flying in there and you're going to start to hear of uh, situations where teams are already starting to recruit for next season. So uh, good news, obviously, with, with uh, you know, before you come into the game on Sunday, uh, it seems like he's been a pretty frequent visitor to Indiana games this season. But I think for the most part, Indiana, uh, from a program perspective, is set up to do pretty well here in the future from an NIL perspective. Alex, another text on the Thornton's text line. Is there a five-star recruit for us, meaning Indiana, to land for next season? Uh, I don't know, but I wouldn't worry necessarily too much about where guys are ranked, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think you have to remind people that Christian Lander and Tamar Bates were both five-star recruits uh, and, and kind of look at their impact on the program. I think more than anything else, it's figuring out uh, for next season what the needs are uh, and based on who's going to be leaving, uh, I think it's pretty clear that Indiana needs to get help at the point guard position. They need a wing, shooting, and they need a big man. So, I think all those three things are going to be things that are emphasized in the portal. Uh, And, uh, you know, whether or not people want to hear this or not, the way that college basketball rosters are being built has changed. There was an article, I believe, today uh, over on ESPN, Jeff Borzello, just talking about the top 100 uh, ranked players that came into college this year and just the impact that they've had. It hasn't been 
all that substantial. So I think what you're going to have to see moving forward is you build with some of your young guys. You hope next season that a guy like Malik Renew develops, Caleb Banks. Uh, you know, maybe there's still something there to find with Tamar Bates, and then you supplement that with transfer portal additions. And I would think a program like Indiana is probably going to be looking to try to get guys from other Power Five programs and maybe some big major guys that are capable of moving up and being able, able to make an impact. But I wouldn't worry so much about getting a five-star player for next season. I mean, we've, as I said, we saw Christian Lander move up as a five-star. His impact on Indiana's program was basically uh, non-existent. And then Tamar Bates was also a five-star that kind of, uh, you know, came became available uh, late in the spring after a coaching change with the top 25, top 30 player. Uh, and last I checked, you know, at this point, he's, he's not really done much of anything for Indiana's roster. So I think it's more important to find some experienced guys for next season that can come in and, and play and then develop your younger players. And then you also hope guys like Cuffs and Newton can come in and help hopefully make some sort of impact as young players. All right, we've got to talk about bracketology for the NCAA tournament. Let's assume mm-hmm. that this Indiana team takes care of business and wins at home against Michigan on Sunday. What's your best guess on where things could be at for this Indiana team as far as location, seating, and other things important to postseason basketball? Uh, I mean, it's really hard to say because you still have the Big Ten tournament, although I don't necessarily think that has a ton of impact uh, on seeding. As we saw last year, Indiana had two big wins in the Big Ten tournament. They still got some state. So assuming they beat Michigan, which I think is, uh, I don't don't know if you can assume that's going to happen. Uh, it's really hard to tell on a game-to-game basis with this team. But, you know, I, th- I think they're probably in the four-seed range uh, at that point. Uh, the thing about that, if you if you uh, follow bra- you know how the bracket's made now, basically you have the top 16 seeds uh, in the tournament are, are, you know, are kind of the protected, quote-unquote, seeds, and, and they're sent um, in order of priority to the closest pod uh, location uh, for the first two rounds uh, to them. Uh, the, the good part about that is it gives you a chance to play closer to home. The bad part about that is if you're a four seed, you're basically left uh, with the leftovers because how it works, Matt, let's say that Gonzaga, and this is just a hypothetical, but I'm just going to throw a team out there. Gonzaga is the number one overall seed. They're going to get sent to the location closest to them. So when you get down to teams, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, it's basically what's, what's left over because there's only going to be there's eight locations and, and two of the top 16 are going to go to each of those eight locations. So from an IU perspective, that's why you're seeing a lot of the projections having them in places like Albany, New York, or Orlando, Florida. Uh, you've seen a little bit of Greensboro, North Carolina. Those are going to be the sites, I think, to, to watch out for. Very unlikely at this point that Indiana goes someplace like Columbus, Ohio, or, or Des Moines, just based on the teams that are ahead of them uh, in the in the pecking order uh, for the seed list. And that, losing that Iowa game, I think, really probably hurts a little bit Indiana a little bit in terms of being able to have a chance to play a little bit closer to home. So I'd be watching, uh, you know, places like Albany, New York. Doesn't sound necessarily like a all that of enticing spot for. Fans to travel, maybe Orlando, uh, maybe someplace like Greensboro, North Carolina, but still a lot to play out, uh, and we'll kind of see how it goes here as the season rolls along. 
Alex Bozich, uh, women's basketball at the forefront right now. The Big Ten Conference Tournament has a big day today. Then the IU women, the number one seed, they get underway on Friday. Is this the year that Indiana does something? I mean, they've had special years recently, but is this the year that Indiana and the women take that next step in the NCAA tournament and maybe become a Final Four team? Is this the year that they win the Big Ten Conference Tournament? Uh, I mean, it's always possible uh, with the Big Ten Tournament. They've got favorable path. Uh, you only got to win two games because of the championship game. But I think more eyes are, are focused on to the to the big tournament. And Indiana's, you know, obviously going to host its first two games. That's the difference in the women's tournament. Uh, you know, you, you get a, a seed like that, and you're going to be hosting two games. Gonna, I'm sure they're going to have a, a packed house there in, in, in Bloomington for those games. And then uh, all the projections I've seen, uh, the way they've ch- changed the women's tournament this year, there's just two regionals. So you either go west or you go to, uh, I believe it's Greenville, uh, South Carolina, so Indiana. Most of the projections have them number two overall, so they would get to stay closer uh, here and go to Greenville. And, and who knows after that, I believe the Final Four is in Dallas. But I think they're set up pretty well for a, for a tournament run. They really have all the ingredients. And the scary part, Matt, is, Outside of Grace Berger, they've got everyone coming back notable uh, from this team. And you look at what Terry Morton's been able to do with this this group and the transfer portal possibilities for them, too. They could be right back in this position again. Uh, I would think they're going to be able to go out after the season and go grab a, just an impact player that you can plug in. Obviously, they're not going to find another Grace Berger because she's one of the all-time program greats. But, uh, you know, with the improvement of players that are within the program, and maybe you go out and and grab a starter from another Power 5 program, I think they could be right back in the same position uh, a year from now. So exciting times for them. It would definitely be a, cool to see them kind of punch through and make it to the Women's Final Four. Uh, I know South Carolina is kind of the overwhelming favorite, but anything can happen, and, and Indiana getting to the Final Four would be just great, for, I think, for, for women's basketball in the state. And, uh, you know, it, it's been awesome to see how the, the – the following for this program has, has grown, and, and they definitely deserve it. It's, it's really fun. I was talking to somebody the other night at the men's game and just commenting on how how fun it is to watch the women women's team play. It's so fundamentally sound, the way they play, the way they move the ball, the way they play as a connected team. I mean, they play basketball the right way, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Alex Bozich inside the hall. He's with us Thursdays. Here on the show, brought to you by Todd Coleman's Classic Furniture. Alex, thanks for the chat. March is here. Enjoy it. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right. Alex Bozich with us on Thursdays. I saw something. Uh, I wanted to bring it up with Alex, but uh, Fran McCaffrey, uh, beloved Iowa coach who spent a number of years as an assistant coach at Notre Dame, his name has been mentioned uh, as a replacement to Coach Bray, who is uh, coming down the final days of the home stretch of being the boss of the Irish. So that would be interesting uh, to see his departure from the Big Ten. But uh, I don't know. I, that, that's hard to believe he would do that, but possibly uh, with his connection there he would. Who knows? But his name has definitely been mentioned. Also, another text on the Thornton's text line, who are the best Indiana high school players not at Indiana playing this season at other colleges. I would have to 
really think on that to give you a good list, but one name that immediately comes to mind is Tony Perkins from Lawrence North, who we saw, excuse me, <clears throat> have such a good game against Indiana and really outdueled Jalen Hood Shafino. Uh, just kind of reminded me of, of his high school days and what a talented player he was on some of Jack Kiefer's Lawrence North teams. But he would be a guy that would immediately come to mind because of his performance against Indiana uh, over the weekend. And then Sean East, who played his high school ball at New Albany, I saw he played a big role in Missouri. They had a big comeback last night. I want to think they were down 17 or 18 points, came back and won last night. But he would be somebody that you can't tell me he couldn't have helped Indiana uh, this season. Uh, he's, he's fit right in in the SEC. He's fit right in for Missouri. He's come off the bench. He's played a big role. Uh, but you couldn't tell me, you, you know, knowing what I know about him, he couldn't have some kind of similar role at Indiana this season as well. So those are just two guys. I'm sure there are many others out there, but that uh, makes sense as far as um, you know, out, out out of the state guys that you would like to be uh, see playing college basketball at Indiana or at least in the state of Indiana. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back and wrap things up. You're listening to a Thursday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Thursday program. Thank you so much for being with us. Big day of Big Ten women's tournament action and the Indiana Hoosiers in action on Thursday in that tournament as well. I know a lot of you will be following that, so we'll keep you posted with everything related to the uh, women's team here the rest of the way as well. Don't forget, Friday night we'll be in Seymour. Just had a text, said, what game will you broadcast? We'll have Jeff in Jennings County. That's, that is a 6 o'clock tip-off on Friday, and then we'll switch over to Southwestern and have the Providence-Brownstown game uh, for you in that second half of Friday evening. And don't fear, we'll still have updates from New Albany-Seymour, the second game at Seymour on Friday. So if that's really good and Providence-Brownstown is not, we can flip around a little bit if needed. But uh, we'll keep you posted with both games on Friday night from Seymour and then again, we'll have Providence and Brownstown around 7.30, 7.45 or so over at Southwestern as well. Thank you so much for being with us. Don't forget, if you missed the live show, you could always find us as a podcast. All you got to do is search for The Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison, and you will find us there. So no matter if you're live with us on the radio or you listen uh, at uh, your convenience as a podcast, no matter how you're with us, we appreciate you and uh, keep it with us all month long. It's going to be a lot of fun to follow the Indiana men, the Indiana women, and uh, see exactly what happens here over the next few weeks. Have a great Thursday. We'll be back Friday at 11 a.m. to wrap up the week. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Matt Dennison.